Hello and welcome to ChamberCast, the Billings Chamber of Commerce's podcast. I'm your host, Jack Genoway. Today, we're continuing our recent focus on development in Billings and shining a spotlight on Cushing Terrell, one of the most important firms in this space, which just celebrated 85 years in Billings. I'm joined by Greg Matthews, President and CEO, and Shannon Christensen, Principal in Charge of Architecture. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hi, Jack. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So to start off with, can you please just kind of introduce yourselves, talk about what Cushing Terrell is, what you do, and what your role is within that? Sure. I can kick things off. I am an architect by training, and I've been with the firm for 29 years. I came to to CTA at the time uh, right out of school and did a lot of different uh, types of projects over the years, but most recently specialized in healthcare design. And uh, I practiced healthcare uh, almost exclusively right up until four years ago when I stepped into this role. So when you say you practiced healthcare, you're you're talking about designing hospitals, not you know, practicing medicine, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't let me do that. <laughs> but I, I've designed just about every healthcare space you can imagine. There's so. been a lot of expansion in that area as, as well lately. Yes, there has. Yeah, Shannon. Yeah, uh, as you said, Shannon Christensen. Uh, I'm also an architect. I uh, came to Cushing Terrell 17 years ago, and in my role of principal in charge of architecture, I work with our architecture teams in Billings as well as across all of our offices on growth strategy, professional developments, project staffing, um, everything that makes our team tick. Okay, you said across all of your offices. Where else are you located? Yeah, we have uh, 14 offices, so all across Montana, Billings. Bozeman, Helena, Great Falls, Missoula, Kalispell. Then we have offices outside of Montana, Boise, Seattle, Denver, Austin, New Orleans, Minneapolis. Okay, she wow. Them. That's a that has a pretty expansive <laughs> scope. I did not realize it was that big. Yeah. Uh, so and and you're celebrating 85 the years this year. So we kind of want to take a look at Cushing Terrell as a whole. Did you start in Billings? We did. We started in Billings in 1938. Okay. And is the does the name come from the founders? Uh, yeah, Cushing Terrell uh, are the last names of the two gentlemen that started the firm back in 1938. Okay, so I take it you both kind of uh, started as architects and worked your way up in the company into management positions. What was that transition like for you to go from designing buildings to managing people who design buildings? Wow, that's a great, that's a great question. It was uh, a learning curve. You know, we went to school to, like you said, learn how to design buildings and stepping into the role that I'm in today was a big transition. Uh, Although some of the basic skills that I learned to be an architect of how to uh, coordinate with people and um, manage projects really came into into play, stepping into this role of managing the firm. Yeah, I I still get to be involved in projects, uh, you know, more than Greg does these days, but yeah, I think uh, a lot of professional development focused on business and leadership development, like the the Encore and uh, the women's leadership that the Billings Chamber does is always great. Leadership Montana has been another great program. So really focusing on the growing and learning that I needed to do on those areas. Oh, that's I'm gl- I'm glad that that was helpful to you. Actually, I do I do love it when a company promotes from within. I think that that I, I think that leads to a lot of success because you already know the ins and outs by the time you step into the CEO or the C-suite position, but it does present challenges because it is different skill sets as well. What's a project that you've worked on recently that people in Billings will be familiar with? 
Oh, we have lots of them. You know, uh, downtown, we have two great projects, the renovation of Alberta Bear Theater, as well as Big Sky Economic Development and Rock 31 under Sky Point. That was also a adaptive reuse historic preservation project. Both projects that people absolutely rave about. They were great, great projects to work on. Uh, you know, we also do retail projects. We were involved with the new Costco. We did the refrigeration engineering on that project, and it uses a natural refrigeration system using carbon dioxide that really decreases the global warming potential of uh, refrigeration systems. We also did the Les Schwab at Shiloh Crossing, the Albertsons out on 54th and Grand. So, you know, spanning in between those, those are all some recent projects uh, across town. And going way back, senior high school, Skyview High School are two of the uh, of the maybe the earlier and more recognizable projects that we've done. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've got your fingerprints in, in just about everything that, you know, anytime anybody is talking about a piece of development or redevelopment in Billings, that's you, it's a good chance that you had some part to play in it. From what I can see, Cushing Terrell provides just about every type of architecture and development service for just about any type of, of building you can imagine. And we're really focused on development right now, really trying at the Billings Chamber to get more housing developed in Billings. And of course, commercial space is really important to business growth. How would you describe what the overall development environment looks like in Billings right now? Yeah, right now, I, I think there's some challenges, right? Uh, access to capital and interest rates are challenging for a lot of uh, people looking to develop or build projects, you know, when interest rates were lower, it was easier to get that money and finance sure. it and just the cost of that capital. So I think we're seeing that as a, as a roadblock um, and just something we have to be creative with and look look for opportunities. The other thing we'll see uh, is contractor availability getting tight in billings. Mm -hmm. The state of Montana passed House Bill 5, which has record number of projects coming through our state. And we're going to see those contractors and subcontractors start to be really busy. Yeah. And think, for for reference for people who aren't familiar with it, what is House Bill Five? Yeah, House Bill Five is a state building program, right? Every legislative session, if they pass it, it's uh, financing for public projects, everything from universities, different public projects, the state prison, the state capitol, other things across the state that have that public funding. Yeah, it, it's a massive bill that you know it's going to take more, probably even design. Uh, effort than what the state of Montana can provide, as well as construction labor. So it's mm -hmm. a it's a it's a really significant uh, factor in the market. Yeah, it's something that I've heard a couple of uh, city council members and city staff talk about. Uh, is that you know we need more housing to solve our workforce problems, but we can't build more housing and more of anything else because there's a shortage of labor in those areas. Yeah, Jack, I think that's one of the reasons some of the things that Billings Public Schools is doing it really important, right? The career center, mm. uh, career and technical education, uh, the future focused, a future ready program, you know, even the charter schools and some of those innovative ideas that Dr. Garcia is bringing are really going to help. Uh, I think our labor across the city of Billings in various industries, but especially in uh, the construction trades. That I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, because we are actually planning on interviewing Dr. Garcia about that very thing <laughs> later this week. So that's probably going to be our next episode. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, so how long do you think that pipeline is going to take? I mean, is this something that the the construction industry is just going to have to adapt to for a little while? Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're going to be involved in the, in the major uh, project renovating and expanding the Montana prison. Mm. And that's a four-year project. Yeah. So we are already making plans today 
for work that we're going to be doing four years from now. Okay. And beyond design, you know, construction is going to carry on a couple of years beyond that. Okay. So it's a, it's a significant block of time. And I, I think the state is really being innovative on how they package the projects, right? They're, you know, some smaller projects that you'd worry about getting interest for from both uh, design firms, architects, engineers, and contractors. They're packaging those with some of the larger projects to, to put those packages out together to bid or get um, services. Okay. So you touched on interest rates, shortage of, of labor. Uh, I know I know one of the things that people used to talk about that I haven't heard much about in a while was cost of materials. You know, during the pandemic, the s- supply chains were all really heavily disrupted. What are you seeing on that front lately? Yeah, I think I think costs have stabilized, right? We're not seeing the significant inflation that we were during the pandemic for building materials. You know, things go up and down always, but mm-hmm. uh, they, they've stabilized for the most part. My, I always like to say nothing's ever going to be cheaper than today. You know, costs are always yeah. going to go up and construction costs are going to escalate and it's going to be more expensive tomorrow, a year from now, two years from now. Um, I think the other thing is lead times. We're seeing lead times be pretty reasonable. You know, contractors have learned to deal with the materials that have longer lead times and they're really not expect, uh, impacting project schedules anymore. Is there anything else that you would want to highlight that is, you know, maybe a little bit of a difficulty when it comes to developing at the, at the speed that we would like to? It, not a, Maybe I'll do the flip side, not a difficulty, but I found, you know, we just had a project go through a zoning change with the city of Billings and go through the zoning commission. And while those processes take time, um, I think the city has it figured out. Um, we have really good city staff that and commission members that you can work with. And if you're putting forward a thoughtful solution, you can get through that process and get the city council approval to get those projects done. Okay. That, that is very good to hear actually. I, Cause I have heard the other side of that too. Is there any other like regulatory uh, issues that you would highlight for you know any city officials or anything or state officials or anything like that? Not that I can think of. You know, Governor Gianforte had his uh, red tape relief program last legislative session and really focused on kind of cutting that red tape so that businesses could do business in Montana. Um, so I think they've tried to streamline a lot of things and take out those extra processes that might impact, you know, both construction and design services. And on the housing front, I'm really curious to hear uh, what trends you're seeing on residential properties. You know, I think I get the impression that you do more commercial properties than residential. Is that correct? Uh, in Billings, at least. But Greg might have some insight to this one. Yeah, de- de- definitely. We, we do a lot of multifamily housing, larger multifamily housing projects and fewer single family residences, although we do uh, a fair amount of large, uh, more custom high end residential. Okay. So are you, uh, what, what trends are you seeing in that area? Are you, are you seeing, uh, I mean, in terms of the demand that you're getting for different types of units, how has that changed recently when, when, when housing has become so short? Well, f- first of all, affordability of housing has been the hot topic mm-hmm. in our industry and I think in the, in the country. Uh, never in our country's history has housing been less affordable than it is today. So we are seeing clients, non-traditional type clients, who are really interested in affordable housing for workforce housing. Mm-hmm. We have healthcare clients, education clients, who are now all of a sudden interested in developing uh, affordable housing for their workforce. And so it's a significant opportunity and a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that we're really, really focused on. And, you know, anything that's going to, you know, increase the supply of units and billings, we're a hundred percent all for. 
Before we continue with the episode, I just want to take a quick break to tell our listeners about our upcoming travel opportunities. Escape to the majestic imperial cities of Budapest, Vienna, and Prague on an unforgettable nine-day journey, October 21st to 29th in this 2024. Immerse yourself in the rich history, culture, and charm of these iconic destinations. Your package includes luxurious accommodations, delicious meals, captivating day trips, and hassle-free airfare. Hurry, early bird pricing ends March 8th, 2024. Embark on the adventure of a lifetime and make memories that will last forever. Register today at billingschamber.com. Another question I did want to ask, what do you see as some of the barriers to infill development? I know that that's another thing that a lot of people are talking about right now. Uh, Describe the difference to somebody who's not familiar with development community of the difficulties of of redeveloping a property in town versus developing a new property in a greenfield. When I think about it, you know, we're, our office is located right downtown. I think a lot of times if we can reuse an existing building, that's great, right? I think we're going to see more and more of that across our country of reusing existing pro- uh, buildings, adapting them to our current needs. If you're talking about taking something down or an empty lot and having to infill it, right? The logistics of construction just become more difficult, mm. right? You have the services already there, you know, water, sewer, power, all of those, which might be a you know, a cost you have at a greenfield site um, out on the edge of town, but the logistics of construction and having to get that built um, with, you know, other businesses going on right next door to you, traffic, uh, all of those things, the public safety uh, can be challenging, but I think they're easy to overcome. Okay. Yeah. What are, and and do you have any ideas of something that, you know, the the city of Billings or the chamber or uh, the development community as a whole should be doing in order to kind of rebalance that a little bit to make infill development easier? We already do great things with TIF districts, right? I think that's a, a great thing we can do. Um, you know, our building downtown received TIF dollars back in 2004. So being able to help incentivize uh, some of those public amenities for those projects is a great way to start. I know you, uh, as a company, Cushing Terrell, has a lot of focus on uh, building buildings that are sustainable. You mentioned the Costco refrigeration earlier. Talk a little bit more about that. What what are some of the things that some people might not be thinking about to make a building more sustainable? Oh man, it's such a it's such a wide uh, topic. You know, going back to Shannon's comment about our our office building that we developed in two thousand four, had we followed through with our design. Uh, plans that would have been the first lead project in the state of Montana. Mm. But uh, as as luck would have it, we chose not to certify it at the time. We we did later. Um, you know, sustainability is uh, is such a wide topic. It's everything from the materials that we specify and source for projects to the energy systems that we design to make the building tick. And so it it's it's all encompassing. Yeah, you know, I think so much of sustainability from an architecture standpoint can just be early, early design choices that you make, how you're siting the building, right? The orientation of it, how are the users going to interact with it? So really simple moves like that, uh, that we can do on projects and for clients that really don't cost money. You know, there's a whole other level of uh, sustainability, right? When we talk about electrification of buildings, things we're doing with uh, microgrids, uh, the natural refrigeration systems that we're really put pushing the boundary of what we can do. So there's kind of two reasons why people might want to focus on sustainability when it comes to their building. There's, you know, the if 
because a lot of people feel that it's the right thing to do for environmental concerns and that kind of thing. But there's also a return on investment that comes with it, hopefully. You know, what are some of the things that people might not be thinking about that offer a really, really good return on investment for efficiency? Overall, uh, there's, uh, there, there's something that the listeners may have heard of, ESG, which stands for Environmental and Social Governance. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of the latest topic in the sustainable world where businesses are actually being valued based on how sustainable they are. So this has created a whole nother level of, of buzz in the business community of businesses wanting to participate in sustainability because they're, they're actually being valued on it. Yeah, that's that is a big topic right now, and one that's a li- that is somewhat controversial. And so that that would only come into play with for, for folks with investors. Am I correct? Yeah, or if you're valuing your business for yeah sale or whatever. Oh, it that might makes be. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, for uh, for on the smaller scale though, what are some of the things that like if you if you own a business right like the one that we're sitting in right now, <laughs> and you're trying to you know, save a little bit of money on your u- utilities every month and have a a payoff within a certain amount of time. What's the thing that you would recommend to them? Lighting, right? Lighting is a big one. Looking at the efficiency of your mechanical systems, your you know heating, uh, your air conditioning, right? There's if it's an older system, there's a lot more energy efficient equipment in place today than there used to be. Checking out simple things like windows, right? Mm. Do you, are your windows single pane? You know, are they or are they double or triple pane these days? How much insulation is on your roof, right? That's important here in Montana. So. Little simple things like that, that if, hey, you're going to do uh, replacing your roof, look at that. How much insulation did I have and how much really should I have? I'm always really interested in new technologies in this area too, right? Like that carbon dioxide refrigeration I think is fascinating. Are there any other ones that you're really excited about? Oh, I, you know, I think the the work we're doing with microgrids, right? And a lot of that have been with um, utilities maybe. What is that? I Yeah, that's a, you know... Greg, do you want to explain it? Sure. A, a, a microgrid is a standalone electrical grid. Okay. So think about the state of California and what they yeah. went through a couple of years ago with the devastating wildfires mm-hmm. that took out power lines and infrastructure for thousands of residents. These microgrids, we're going into areas like that and we're actually developing, whether it be solar or some other alternative energy, where we're producing the power and we're distributing it to the residents all-in-one micro grid system. Really? Yeah, that is fascinating. Can you give an example of one of those in Billings? I don't think we have any in Billings. Okay. Yeah. I think, you know, things like microgrids could be great for some of our areas in rural Montana. You know, I know we have electric cooperatives that service a lot of those that have great service and reliability, but it's just a, a backup redundant system, right? So that if there is an emergency that we have power within the state of Montana, right? We, we're set up as an energy exporter. We're not an mm-hmm. energy importer. So being able to have that is great. Yeah. So if I own like a, a campus of several different buildings, which it's maybe like manufacturing and distribution in, in one little campus, I could have my own sort of generation facilities on board as a backup and, and get distribution of power to all of those buildings. Yep, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is really, really interesting. I, I'd never heard of that before. Are there any other um, any anything else that you want to talk touch on with uh, you know the services that you offer or development before we move on to celebrating your eighty five years? I might I'll add in Billings. You know we have kind of you said we have everything right, but we have some really unique services um, that's great to have in house. Whether that's our commissioning agent, right? We have Matt Schofield in our office that can do commissioning on new buildings to make sure their systems are operating or retro commissioning going into buildings that 
have never quite quite worked right Hmm. and figuring out what's wrong. You know, it could be simple as, you know, cleaning out some strainers so that your hydronic systems could work. Um, So that's that's a great resource to have right here in Billings. We also have a building envelope team, which is pretty unique that really focus on the envelope, the roof, the walls, the windows of buildings and making sure that they're designed and operating properly, whether that's commissioning them, you know, window uh, water pressure tests or roof replacement projects, some unique things that maybe a lot of design firms don't have. Okay. And if people want to learn more about that, where where should we refer them? Yeah, our website, CushingTerrell.com. Okay. So you just turned uh, 85 last year, right? Correct. And uh, so, first of all, I I know you uh, had a a pretty exciting open house that a lot of us attended. What have you been doing to celebrate that anniversary? Well, outside of our outside of our office reception that we had that you attended, you know, we have been kicking off our strategic plan, which is a new three to five year strategic plan that our firm just embarked on. That just happened to coincide with our 85th anniversary. Some other great things, right? Getting reengaged in the Billings community with things that we had before the pandemic, like the art walk. We just hosted our first Mm. art walk. Uh, Looking forward to having artists come in every other month, right? We just, you know, things we stopped during the pandemic. We also have uh, business after hours coming up on March 13th at our office. Uh, Looking forward to hosting everyone downtown at 13 North 23rd Street from 5 to 7. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that as well. And you can and folks can just register for that right there on our website. It's you'll see it right there on our homepage. So 85 years of of doing architecture in Billings and around the country, I'm sure a lot has changed in that amount of time. So what what are some of the things that have changed in that last 85 years? And what are some of the things that have stayed the same? Well, maybe I can hit on what stayed the same and then Shannon can talk about what has changed. You know, the thing that has not changed in our 85 years is our client-focused culture. The, the culture that was developed back in 1938 and some of the values that went along with that, like simple things, like being kind and doing the right thing, and uh, have never changed. And so those are foundational elements that have really supported Cushing Terrell for 85 years. And even today... Every opportunity I get, I talk about our mission, our vision, our culture, our values. And so that is the constant. Yeah. I, well, you talk about things that have stayed the same, right? Uh, we also always used to say doing business by the golden rule, and we've upgraded that to doing business by the platinum rule, but <laughs> right. Treating others how they want to be treated. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I look back at the way that we developed cities 85 years ago. And, and the way that we do things now. And, you know, you look at back at some of those old pictures and things are, are completely different. You know, how, do, how has that affected your industry? Things like technology, right? That's definitely changed. Uh, you know, we weren't using computers 85 years yeah. ago, even uh, since I started. And the type of technology we're using to design projects has changed. The software programs, you know, designing in three dimensions, uh, maybe adding the fourth dimension of time in there really integrating everything that we're doing. You know, we started off as an integrated firm with architects and engineers, but really getting everyone around the table uh, continues to this day. I think another thing that has changed is the speed of projects, right? And the level of detail needed for projects. You know, you pull out some of those old plans like uh, senior high and uh, there's not a lot of detail to them, right? And (laughs) and you think about hand drawing that and how much time it took, you know, stretch the length of design over and uh, that can get a lot shorter now, right? We can design projects much quicker um, and we can put a significantly more detail into them. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, before we wrap up today, a couple of questions that I did want to ask you. So <clears throat> both of you have, have dedicated your entire professional lives to architecture, right? What do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing architecture? I'd probably be building. That's how I actually started my career in architecture was through the construction trades. So if I wasn't designing it, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely be building it. That's a tough one. I, I decided in seventh grade I wanted to be an architect, but I come from a family of teachers. So if I wasn't an architect, I'd probably be a math teacher. That makes a lot of sense. Are there any uh, reading materials that you've come across lately that you think are really valuable to other people in the in the business space? It was talking about self-growth and professional development, right? Mm -hmm. Harvard Business Review is always great for that. Um, some really great podcasts. Um, you know, Listen First Montana is a good one. Uh, with different leaders across Montana and kind of their philosophies on on business. Um, if you're looking for arch architecture specific, I, my favorite podcast right now is Practice Disrupted, and it just talks about uh, different perspectives and approaches to architecture practice that maybe aren't the traditional traditional path. Yeah, most of what I read today are mo more nuts and bolts business sure. uh, business uh, how tos, if you will. Um, so I don't know that I have a lot I would recommend uh, unless you were, you know, in my role. But, uh, you know, books, uh, self-help books, like Shannon mentioned, I, I've got a, a shelf full of them and I love them. Okay. And another one I'll add is The Leadership Challenge. That's a great book that's been uh, around for many years, but really based on uh, the science and the research behind um, how leaders lead. Okay. And last but not least, uh, this is the question that we close every podcast with. How long have you lived in Billings and what keeps you here? I've been here 30 years, which is almost as long as I've been at the firm. And what keeps me here is the, is the community. I, I love the community. I love the activities and uh, the outdoor lifestyle that it affords me and my family. Yeah, I, I'll, it'll be 18 years uh, this summer that I've been here and keep along many along the same lines. Uh, just the Billings community, right? I, I grew up in a small town in eastern Montana. So this is the big city, but it's super friendly. We have uh, accessible things, right? I can take my kids to, uh, we can walk to three different parks. We can get out to Zoo Montana. There's lots of different things we can do in Billings uh, that we wouldn't maybe be able to easily do if we were somewhere else. That's awesome. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you for all the great work that you're doing around uh, the community and for, and for your time today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Thank you so much to Greg and Shannon for joining us today, and thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic or ask a question, please feel free to email us at podcast at billingschamber.com. If you like what you hear, please rate us on your preferred podcast platform or recommend us to a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to Chambercast wherever you get your podcasts because there is something here for everyone.